0: Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dharma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dharma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So we're at the 10th chapter, 10th class on our Dhammapada Review. Um, this one is the, I forgot the name, the Dandavaga, um, subtitled Abandoned Violence. And it follows last week's class on uh, remaining harmless. And so this is, th- this chapter might seem a little bit contextual um, because of the use of metaphors, but it really is just a direct and very simple teaching on how we practice the violence. Right? Practice violence in our life, (laughs) how we practice the Dhamma moment by moment. And so it refers to violence. And usually the first thought would be wars or maybe people striking each other and physical violence or screaming and cursing at each other. And those are all part of violence that human beings engage in still. Um, But as we're practicing the Dhamma, we realize and abandon very, very subtle levels of violence violence that might might be classified as aversion rather than violence. But any negative or hurtful thought towards others and especially ourselves is going to result in some type of hurtful, meaning violent behavior, even if it's just the thought that I'm not good enough. And ultimately is that it is that one thought that we resolve, that I'm good to go, that allows us and liberates us from violence everywhere. Because if, if we practice this, and we recognize that there's nothing that we need to change about ourselves or the world, there's nothing to be violent about. The Dandavaga, I'm going to read my introduction as well. The 10th chapter of the Dhammapada describes the pitfalls of hurtful and aggressive behavior and the liberation found in developing wise restraint of thought, word, and deed. The virtuous factors of the Eightfold Path help us frame that behavior. The Buddha taught an Eightfold Path to develop recognition and abandonment of self-referential behavior that results in harm towards others and ourselves. So all the violence in the world, it doesn't just happen. It happens because there's something in human beings that conditions them towards it. We're not trying to resolve all the violence in the world. We're trying to resolve the violence in our own mind, period. And as we can do that, as we can end conflict in our minds, we stop contributing to the conflict in the world. And we are truly peacemakers. I used to be a member of a group of peacemakers <laughs> in the late 60s and 70s, and they got pretty violent at the times. they were surprised. The Bhaga: everyone fears violence and death. Understanding thus, the disciple does not harm others or cause others to harm. Everyone fears, fears violence and holds life dear. Understanding thus, the wise disciple does not harm others or cause others to harm. One cannot attain happiness while oppressing others with violence. One will find happiness who does not oppress others with violence. And again, this is even um, words that might take somebody else emotionally hostage. And so we have to be very careful as we're developing the Dhamma to watch the words that we're using uh, in a manipulative way, saying it just to get a reaction or a certain response from others or even towards ourselves. Angry speech causes harm. Retaliation can overcome the mind. Avoid speaking harshly and remain free from harsh retort. One approaches Nirvana, who restrains the tongue and abandons harmful speech. As a cowherd drives cows with a staff, so too does aging and death drive the lives of people. Remember how the Buddha described Dukkha, beginning with birth, sickness, aging, and death. And so it is within that first breath and the last breath that we become preoccupied with living forever because we're so enamored with this thing. And we think that this thing is so unique in the universe that it should somehow live forever. So we create great scenarios, great fabrications, great fantasies about how that might be, such as afterlife venues. And I want to go through every one. And, and, but that, that belief in an afterlife as some kind of reward or punishment also affects us in this moment. Because if we're thinking that way, we're also thinking that the next moment in life can, can have that type of violence um, settled on me. I could die. If something, something terrible could happen to me. I might not live to 300. Even that is death. Or we can understand that we get a beginning breath and an end breath. And what we do in the middle is up to us. And it's up to the quality of our mind, how we experience it. And so I would say the most valuable gift we can ever give ourselves is to take to the Dhamma and awaken and end conflict in our mind. Just as this teaches us here. A little warning from the Buddha. The fool does wrong while ignorant and is yet tormented by their hurtful thoughts, words and deeds like being burnt by a fire. 2600 years ago, and the, the words still resonate, don't they? Inflicting violence on the innocent will bring one of 10 states, one of 10 states. And again, I'm not just talking about striking someone. I'm talking about any kind of violence that we might harbor towards somebody. The, the, um, the softer term might be aversion, but it's still violent. These are the 10 states, sharp pain, injury, illness, Derangement, subjugation, incarceration, loss of family, loss of wealth, loss of shelter, ongoing wandering and ignorance. And I bet you many of you have, have experienced most, if not all, of these. I know I have. In fact, even the specific ones, like incarceration or derangement. There was a long well, It wasn't a long time when I was in, in incarcerated, but there was a long time I was deranged. And you know, I was so caught up in my self-referential views I asserting everyone in myself. Mostly inadvertently, but that was the life I was living And all of these things happened to me.
1: I was incarcerated once.
0: I can't believe you were.
1: I was throwing snowballs
0: at the guys that are building the jail. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was doing my victory dance after I hit one, and I didn't see one coming. And they grabbed me and, and tossed me into the just first tried, jail. They tried it out. <laughs> That's pretty good. So you, you experienced sharp, uh, sharp pain, injury, you were deranged when you did it. You were subjugated and incarcerated. Did you lose your family or lose your wealth? Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> and again, all these things happen to me and it happen to not, not everybody gets incarcerated, but all of these mind states, 10 states, physical states as well happen because of how we act in a world, which is based on how we think about ourselves in relation to the world. And everybody's following me with that. Right. It's such a simple statement, but it's also a true statement in relation to the Dhamma. And of course we can do this, abandon violence or the Buddha wouldn't teach it. Now there was, ascetic practices were common during the Buddha's time, excuse me. But in some Buddhist religions, they're just as um, honored and just as widely practiced. And the Buddha did all these things, I did some of these things thinking that they were gonna lead me somewhere. And he found that every one of these was painful and ignoble. Nakedness, matted hair, filth, fasting, smear oneself with ashes, nor self-torture cannot purify one's mind rooted in doubt and uncertainty. And so that type of asceticism is practiced at many, and I would say just about every retreat where forced silence is the name of the game. You start the retreat, the retreat master gives you a couple instructions and then tells you that's it, you can't talk for seven or ten days or whatever it might be. That's asceticism. Human beings aren't meant to not talk, but we're meant to practice right speech. And that is why we organize our retreats the way we do, because they're at a six-day now opportunity to practice right speech and completely immerse ourselves in the Dhamma. That's to me what that's what a retreat should be. Not, not some kind of fabricated escape where I don't, I can't talk to anybody. And I can tell you that I did quite a few seven and 10 day sashims is what they're called. And at the end of it, the few people that I would talk to said the same thing I did, they were just glad that it was over. And that's really how I felt. I just, it was just, it was just a burden to get through where I've never felt like that in the Dhamma because each moment is meaningful. Now the Buddha teaches us how to act moderate in clothing, food, shelter, and medicine, poised and calm, well concentrated, established in the Eightfold Path, and having completely abandoned violence towards all beings, including ourselves. This one is a true Dhamma practitioner. As rare as a thoroughbred avoiding the whip is a person restrained by modesty and beyond reproach. Rare. As rare as a thoroughbred avoiding the whip is a person restrained by modesty and beyond reproach. That's what we're striving for, folks. And of course we can do it, right? Does anybody think we can't get to that point where we're, we are modest and beyond reproach? I would bet many of you are almost there. even can rob, jailbird. <laughs> like a thoroughbred driven by the whip, be strenuous and diligent while developing understanding. The disciple, the the wise disciple well-concentrated Harmless, mindful of the four noble truths, will destroy suffering. And i love to finish here. Irrigators drive riv- guide rivers, fletchers straighten arrows, Carpenters shape wood, the disciple controls themselves. That's stomach practice, and that's today's teaching. The disciple controls themselves. So I guess that's a good place to start. Do you ever feel like you're, you've lost control? Uh, and if you do feel like that, be grateful that you've had that thought in the right context, because now you can abandon it. You know, it, it, I was talking to David a little bit about this coming in. That I guess that the. The, um, the benchmark for my life has become that am I peaceful and calm today? And I can tell you, I was fighting with everybody yesterday. I've got a couple of nine. I'm peaceful and calm and I never had that. I always wanted it. When mm-hmm. I was a little kid, I was angry at everybody and I would get into arguments. I was a good arguer. And I thought I was living the life that I was supposed to live. And I was at best disappointed with just about everything. And at, most of the time I was disgusted with myself and others because of my own behavior. But I also didn't think that I could change. I thought that that was the way that I had to live in the world because the world was a violent place. That it was somehow against me. I had to grasp after the things that I needed to be safe and clothed and sheltered. And what I found out is that none of those things really matter, that I would take care of those things in a much more efficient and effective way if I have a calm and peaceful mind. <laughs> and after that big cough, I can say that's entirely true. How about you, Brian?
2: I completely agree. Um, I guess what struck me on this one is the, there's the the grosser external things that, that seem to soften first. And then there's the internal dialogue and, and internal violence to ourselves, right. That seems to take longer to abate. Um, but it really is, you know, a call to action to develop skillful mind states and skillful reactions uh, that really came through for me today. So thank you.
0: Thank you, Brian. It's just a question. You were able to recognize violence towards yourself as your practice deepened.
2: Yeah, I think it was the, again, the external stuff was kind of easier to see. And then yeah. it's the internal, more subtle, Um mind states that take a little longer to recognize but yes
0: yeah and i these are all i think in some ways i'm not trying to put words in your mouth but i think you can characterize violence in in one way as competition we want something from someone mm-hmm. and so that competition comes back to ourselves we're, we're really always competing with ourselves because we think we should be different you know we yeah. established we establish the game in our own minds but we can end the game too just as well, I was going to say just as easily, but people get mad at me when I say that. But it's easy. You just have to do it. Thank you, Brian. Julia, good morning.
3: Good morning. Thank you for the teaching. And Brian, very well said. Um, I love everything that you just said. Because now that, you know, the, the external stuff starts to really settle. And then here's the internal. And it's like there's really, it just shows that there's, really nothing wrong not nothing wrong with the world but like my my thoughts and my um my thoughts are really the most important thing uh on how I'm viewing the world um so it's like a blessing to realize that and to notice the thoughts that I'm thinking about myself in the world um And this practice has given me the ability to notice that, but also it's like being really aware now of what's going on in my mind. It's kind of uh, a little overwhelming, (laughs) Um, but it really is a wonderful thing to be able to realize that I really am in control of it. And it doesn't have to stay that way. Um, But also, (laughs) uh, sometimes it's difficult to recognize, wow, like, like what's really going on in my head, you know, it's, but you can change it, but it's also like, there's a lot.
0: (laughs) Well, I would say there's not much going on in my head. (laughs) You're, you're, um, you're practicing the Dhamma as intended, Julie. You're seeing the things that you want to abandon. You know, you're seeing the, the more, subtle forms of violence that you harbor within yourself. And again, that that's one way of characterizing Dhamma practice, recognizing it, getting all that junk out of your head and living conflict free. And you're you're approaching it nicely. I'm glad you joined us today.
3: When I I wanted to add one more thing. When I'm like uh when I'm when I have these you know true moments of peace, I I it's easy to recognize when I'm not um, in a peaceful state of mind yeah. so <laughs> yeah i just wanted to share that
0: yeah living in ignorance becomes palpable you can you feel it right away and, right and away in, yeah and that's the that's the the skillful aspect of being in touch with your feelings we don't take them personally anymore but we we use them to help guide where we are if i'm feeling a certain way am i judging myself am i taking this personally or is it just a natural feeling that a human being should feel, like sadness when you lose a loved one. That's there's nothing. That's what we should feel. You know, it, 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 it's appropriate feelings. Thank you, Julia. Good morning, Slav. Hey, Slav, what is that background there? Is that a is that a background or is it the yard
4: in the back of your house? Oh, it's a background. It's a I have picture of some Japanese monastery. Oh, I wow, Nice. I want to go there. Yeah, me too. Again. Uh, Thank you, John. This was very interesting uh, teaching. And uh, interesting, why? Because uh, I not call this external conflict. I call event. Because everything has happened in life. But really conflict and war is starting to happen internally. And my uh, famous joke, mm-hmm. I always say. I mean, for Buddhist practitioner, uh, I say uh, A human being is great mathematician because inside of our head, head it's always adding something, reject yeah. something, multiply, and it's constantly. And uh, yeah. because events, it's just one small moment, and in your head, it can be continue days over the days about uh, this event and it's unbelievable how we do it. this. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you. That was really wonderful. We, we are, we act like magicians in our own lives but we don't realize we're playing a game on ourselves. It's all fabrication rooted in a view of self that has to be different. So I create, a, I, I color this moment to fit my view of self rather than just live in this moment. And that's all that's ever happening, isn't it? You know, we're just we're living a human life, one breath, first breath, last breath. And in between, we get to be human beings or not realize what that means. My life has gotten a lot better since I realized what it means to be a human being. I think we're all talking about that. Right. Hello, Kevin.
5: Morning, John. Morning, everybody. Yeah. um, Thank you all the, you know. Those who spoke already talked about that in external versus internal. And that really, I agree, that's where it's at. It really strikes me in this sutta or in this uh, chapter where he talks about um, the 10 states that people will bring upon themselves if they act violently. And eventually, that they will bring these things upon themselves. And we live in such a violent world, sometimes it's very difficult for me to, you know, not wish these things on others who are committing violence, but that doesn't serve either. So it's really that we just have to remain harmless to ourselves and to others. And that would be maybe our karma and let others, you know, let play out their karma if they're going to be violent. And it's the same in Buddhist time as it is today.
0: So, yeah, yeah, there's no difference. That's why you hear me say nothing. We haven't learned anything in 2600 years because we're still acting in the same way that we did 2600 years ago. There's still, and I've often said it, um, in my lifetime, I'm 67. There hasn't been one day in my life when there wasn't a war going on somewhere on this planet, you know, and again, I'm not trying to bring everybody down. We have a way out of that a way of extricating ourselves from that kind of violence that would lead to that and to me what is i mean this could be one of the most important chapters in the dhammapada because it points to the heart of the matter why we do this so we can really stop being violent towards ourselves and again i'm violent in very subtle ways like brian talked about and then we abandon it in the world and now we again we're say it the second time we're truly peacemakers Not that we want to be. (laughs) We become that. Thanks, Kevin. Hello, Deborah.
6: Morning, John. Morning, everybody. Um, Thank you for the sutta. I did not study prior to today. Apologize for that. I have two words. Brain fog. (laughs) <laughs> Noble well, silence, thank you
0: I'm, I'm so glad you joined us, Deborah <laughs> Hello, Jeff Hello, oh, John, hello everybody
1: Well, uh, the, the past couple of weeks for me has been literally studying uh, the Danda Vaga and the Pubavaga. Vaga um, It's it, it, very timely for me I've spent the past couple of weeks trapped in a conference room assembling documentation to build a court case against somebody who owes us a boatload of money. So it's it's been a balancing act all week between trying to recover my sanity moment to moment and wanting to strangle these people moment to moment. And it, it's it it is such timely timely information for me. Um, it's probably the only thing that helped me survive. Um, yeah, it's amazing just just how how easy it is. I find to slip into that uh, that eye making of grasping and clinging to an identity. Yeah, and in my case, it would be uh, convincing myself that I'm a competent expert in my field and capable of organizing and managing the things that go on around me in such a way as I always come out on top. And yeah. so it's a moment to moment conflict. I have to moment to moment say, well, that's not really who you are or what you are because Otherwise, I wouldn't be here doing this. Yeah, it, and um,
0: that's yeah. So, practice, Jeff.
1: so, so the, the this list: sharp pain, injury, illness, derangement, subjugation, incarceration, loss of family, loss of wealth, loss of shelter, ongoing wandering, ignorance. felt felt like the average day the past couple of
4: weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Um, so yeah, I couldn't have, the, 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 the two, uh, the two chapters couldn't have been more timely for me. Uh, yeah. So thank you everybody. I, I I agree with everybody's comments. It's all very helpful and, uh, uh, yeah, couldn't, couldn't have been better for me. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Again, that's pure Dhamma practice. That's how it works. It, it, the, the, you were doing everything right, even when you were getting upset, because you recognized that you continued with your dharma practice, and you know, I, I, um, <clears throat> I have a hard time. I don't have a hard time. I don't, I don't judge like really bad people that that make the news. Like we hear today, you know, somebody just shot up a school. It probably happens almost every day now. Because I understand, or in your case, Jeff, how you have to go after people that owe you money and it becomes an adversarial system. I mean, that's how we set it up. Um, But we don't have to take an adversarial position because we can understand what happened here. And not to be too simplistic, but all of this violence... This, the gross stuff that we see out there, the violence of somebody refusing to pay you what you owe, that's all rooted in greed and aversion, which itself is rooted in deluded thinking. In other words, it's not an excuse, but people really don't understand how they, how they can act any differently.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I used to say it more often uh, for many years that Adolf Hitler, I use him because everybody knows who he is, I think, he was doing the best he could. He was doing the absolute best he could. And he thought he was saving the world or at least saving the Aryan race. So in his mind, he was good to go, no matter how much violence he he put out there. He was justifying his behavior because of how he thought about himself in relation to the world. You know, And, and again, none of us will arise to that, rise to that type of violence. But we don't want even a shred of that, do we?
1: No, it we can be the it same. Right it can be the same mindset whether you go yeah. to that extreme or not. It it's the same. It's the same process.
0: Yes, um, thank you for saying that because that's what I was. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's yeah. the same thing. We 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 can't. And so when we're when we're judging somebody who did something horrible that we hear in the news, we're really judging ourselves, aren't we? And we, yeah, absolutely. And to me, we should we should strive to feel compassion for everyone but especially not especially imagine living with a mind that is that full of anguish that does something like that that feels it's okay to shoot people or have to just to get out of it I I, I'm I can't imagine having a mind like that but I'm so grateful that I don't but and I know where that mind comes from you could say you know I, I could say if I act in, in a violent way, I'm responsible for it. But in a way, I can understand how other people aren't quite responsible for because they don't know what the hell they're doing. They don't know how they're thinking. They've lost con- complete control of their minds. And we as Dharma practitioners should understand it Why? So we don't harbor ill will or try to justify it against people that we think we should, such as people that are very violent or people that owe us a lot of money and, and, you know, and laugh in our faces and make us go to court. Because it's all part of the dukkha. It's all part of living in the world. So do we want to live this moment? Yes, I do. do. Does that mean that I have to understand and accept what comes along? Yeah. If I want to be present for this moment, if I want to live without conflict, I have to accept everything, not just the things that I think are acceptable. And how do I get there? I accept it because it's what's occurring. It has nothing to do with me. Right. Even even the people that owe you money, Jeff, or your company money, you don't need to take it personally, do you? Because they're not really doing it to you. You're the you're the one that's bearing the brunt of the behavior. But it's what occurs all the time. It's what occurs all the time. So why shouldn't it happen to me? I'm living in the world.
1: Yeah, it's kind of more, in my case, a matter of degree. It's really nothing, nothing new that you don't experience Sometimes minute to minute, or at least on a daily basis, in the world, it's just a matter of degree and me t- meet taking it personally in the
0: moment. Right?
1: Yeah, and that's and that's all it is. Yeah, that's yeah. all. So it that's been my kind of my mantra this week: is don't take it personally, and, uh, and basically that's it. That's that's what. That's what saves me from minute to minute. There is something that I've been confused about, though. The, the following line: nakedness, matted hair, filth, fasting, smearing oneself with ashes, and, and torture, self torture. Uh, they say they say that like it's a bad thing. To me, that's just an average day in the concrete world. <laughs>
0: That uh, that experience here, yeah. that experience will change. You should get a good look at Jeff when you say he's mad at hair. <laughs> yes. that, that experience will change as you continue uh-huh. to deepen the Dhamma. Yeah. You know? And you'll and you know, you'll you'll see that, and I think you do already, but you'll see it more and more as an opportunity to practice the Dhamma. Yeah, you know, and when, when people are in your face or not, you know, not acting in a way you want. Practice the Dhamma here, you know, because it it leads to a much better outcome all the time. It always does. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. got and, and again, the outcome would has nothing to do with whether you're successful in your lawsuit. The outcome is the quality of your mind, because it can stay calm and peaceful throughout this whole process. You can sue people without having to fall into aversion. You know, absolutely. And none of that is none of that is wrong, by the way. You're not doing; you're, it's just part of living in the world, part of doing your job. But you don't have to take an adversarial stance about it. It's just it's what occurs, you know? and it's such a good example of it, too. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Hello, Becky.
6: Hello, John. Hello, everyone.
0: Here's Becky?
7: <laughs>
6: well, I've just really enjoyed listening to what everybody has to say. So too, Brian. The internal takes longer for sure. Um, but one thing that just came through to me is the idea of competition, and competition being something that is usually violence toward ourselves in some way. Yeah. That was uh, very helpful to hear yeah. and something that I can very easily recognize And I have, I have recognized it, but for some reason, this just really hit me today. And I was able to look at examples that happen and what, what I'm actually doing in my mind to myself. So that was, that was, that was great. Thank you, John.
0: Thank you, Becky. And that realization came because of your ongoing right effort. Right? You bring yourself here, you hear these things, and that you know when you think about competing with yourself is really nuts, isn't it?
6: Yeah, really. You is. can't win. Yeah. You, know,
0: you can I mean you can never win. It's never good enough. Let it go. Um Popeye was right. I am what I am. I am what I am.
6: am. One of these days we have to have a little bit of a conversation about justice. Oh, okay. I wonder, I wonder how. It fits into the Dhamma, I mean, is it is it something that you can hope to find in the world, um, is it something...
0: Hope, hope to find justice?
6: Yeah, is it something that is not really, it's not really the truth, even when you think it is?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's a fabrication, here, yeah. It's a fabrication. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's a it's a necessary fabrication for the way human beings live their life because we're we, we're rooted in greed and aversion because of our diluted thinking and so people can't help to be violent people can't help to steal or do all the other, all the other things, things that we have <laughs>
6: right.
0: classified as criminal and so we've created a system that you know, at least in our country other countries are different that we first in the best of cases a a crime is committed that person is searched for and found they're arrested and they're brought to trial and that trial to me when it's done right is the best way we can resolve these things isn't it because instead of instead of stoning people in the town square because we think they did something wrong we bring them to trial we present evidence and we say yes we think we think this person did this? Okay, they got to go away for a while.
6: So it's a resolution.
0: It's the best resolution. It's <sighs> the
6: best resolution, and thinking of it as a resolution right. is 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 clearer. Yeah, it's a clearer and, and way to think of it. It's a
1: societal thing. It's
8: not yeah. a personal thing. And a
0: lot right, of and that's big. That's see huge. Justice as a, as
8: a personal thing. Absolutely, that's, that's where you can't.
0: Right. And where is you know? As far as I am concerned. I don't, I don't know anything about justice. I mean, if somebody harms me or harms someone I, I love, what's the justice for me? The, the most justice I can give myself is to not judge myself harshly, right? And so not judge another person. That's right view. That's right view. You were about. justice to me is
7: out of in wrong, wrong view that satisfies me, and that's I mm-hmm. making.
0: Yeah. So, and it usually results in creating harm. There's another another
8: kind of like kind of uh, emotional sort of feeling uh, piece that happens with regard to justice that has to do with I I don't even really fully understand it or in well enough to explain it, but it has to do with like social like it's
0: social order
8: yeah but i want to say it's like even like social organisms yeah like that have this kind of sense of like defending you know the group that you that you associate with Mm -hmm. and like that internal kind of wiring that can be uh misleading in terms of like a higher order of thinking or kind of a, an enlightened way of thinking. That's the flaw. That's the exactly. Flaw. Like right, we have that's... this nature of, of, that we as humans have that we need to be able to resolve in our own minds when we, when we see what we are thinking is something bad happening to someone that we identify with. That internal kind of emotional reaction is, Something we have to resolve in our own minds. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. not something that I have to insist that the world changes yeah. and fixes. It's something. It's something that I need to. Does that make sense? In my yeah. Yes. Well, not, you, yeah like, you're that's just bringing yourself back to right view. Just yeah. Like
0: but you it, 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 it's a profound understanding of dukkha.
7: Yeah. It's, right. Yes. It's not resolving within the Dhamma. Yeah. there they'll, they'll be an unsatisfactory yeah. resolution for many people, right, because right, right. his satisfaction is different than mine. Exactly. Yeah, and that's tribalism. Right. Right. right from John's. Right. Right. So therefore, right view is a limiting right view, and therefore it's harmless to all, Yeah. it, mm-hmm. it just is. So therefore it may not be in a traditional sense justice for the poor or the the helpless right but it has to have some kind of boundary of a right view. you yeah right mm-hmm.
0: well i was thinking you could be you could be a um, a judge whose job is to to sentence people implement
8: justice or and, implement and, justice. Yeah. and you could do that i could
0: do that job I, I wouldn't want to but i could do that job without any conflict in my mind because it's just the job I'm, you know this guy did some such and such and they're in the world I live in, they're supposed to do this instead of. I'm going to like a little too far. With well, that, it, and it's and it's it, in society, it's a way to redress harm. Yeah, and it's the only and, and it's the only up, way we have yeah, right and now. and you end up causing more harm. Yeah, but I mean, and there's there's places in the world that are you know they're still very barbaric. <clears throat> Saudi Arabia still cuts people's hands off. You know, I mean. It, Places in the world that, that you're uh, well, there's places in the world that you that you're murdered if your sexuality isn't in accord with what the government wants you. I mean, it still happens today. So we don't, you know, we've evolved a little bit in, in our country that we're not quite that violent. But all of that happens because of what what this chapter points to: lack of understanding, a lack of understanding of dukkha as as Jen you know described so beautifully. All that happens is because of dukkha, greed, aversion, and diluted thinking. People want things or need things to be different. They need more of something. They need less of something, meaning I need less of these people in the world. So, you know, the modern thing is that like we'll just cancel them out. And we've created really pretty powerful systems <clears throat> to sentence people without even a trial, right? We, we, mm-hmm. we get on social media and we cancel out. Do we, am, I, am I in so much fear of another person's voice that I need to do that? And where does that come from? So you, you started. You asked a great question. Really, it, yeah. It's so <laughs> important. But so there's. But it ties in with, with the chapter. It is about harm. Yeah. It
6: is about harm, and it is yeah. It and is what about, do we do about it? Is, it is about violence. Yeah. It's about it is about uh, self referential view.
0: Exactly, yeah. and then a tribal oh, sure. self referential.
7: Yeah, move. yeah. <laughs> <coughs> I would say the next chapter is David's the answer, it. which I'm teaching. Yeah, <laughs>
6: oh, because, cool,
7: okay. Okay. Stay tuned. we'll
6: stay tuned.
7: <laughs> stay tuned because it, these chapters roll up into this, yep. like, next chapter. Yep. Like, the question was, why? Well, the why is that. The, this insight that we're seeking, this understanding that we're seeking. Yeah. And again, it's just like if you, it's nice to read these things in a row because it gives context to how it's kind of flowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, Jeff's questions about, you know, how much this, these last two chapters have helped. The next chapter starts answering that.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and on
7: and on and on. And on and on and
0: on. If you read most of their presentations of the dhammapada you don't see any of that no. because it's just most of it is just one long poem um, and it wasn't until i restored it and started looking at uh, looking at the dhammapada in terms of chapters rather than verses that it became so apparent that this is a concise dhamma instruction throughout the whole book mm-hmm. And in this chapter, I was looking forward to teaching this because it really does point to the heart of the matter. Whether it's violence and justice out in the world and what we should do about it, it resolves within my mind, doesn't it? I think everybody here understands that if your mind is calm and conflict free, then you're calm and conflict free. And it really doesn't matter what's going on in the world because the Buddhists told us, taught us that the world is dukkha. And it stops there. There's no explanation beyond that that we need to do. We understand, yeah. As a consequence of having a human liar, there's going to be greed and aversion. Why? Because we don't understand Four Noble Truths. Or we can't and stop taking anything personal. Great classic, go see what our teachers have to say for me. Hello, Ron. Well, after I exposed my sword in the (laughs) past. Get out of this! song. <laughs> I, don't uh, I don't really have much to, to add. To Thank you, Becky, for, for bringing up that, that yeah. subject because it, it fits in, in in the chapter. Yeah, and and contemporaneously too. It's very topical. Thank you. Jailbird. Mm. You should have never told me that. But... Hello, Jen.
8: Um, I just was thinking about something that Julia, sort of Julia, Bryant and Deborah touched, touched upon, which, um, you know, the internal violence and um, sort of realizing that um, something that Julia said where she was talking, and I don't know if this is how you meant it, but it was, uh, having the capacity to observe our thoughts can, can be overwhelming if um, suddenly the landscape of the mind changes and lots of thoughts are there. Um, yeah. And that sort of made me realize that um, my my practice has not it's not always but has become or can become conditioned Mm -hmm. and so i'll have these sort of conditioned responses to certain mind states Um, and if i depend on those too much then i get lost i don't know if that makes any Mm, sense
0: you're clinging Um, to the conditioned way of thinking
8: it's kind of like okay well you know come back to your even just like come back to your breath or come back to the feeling or um sort of of these these little nuggets of of summarized ways of Mm. Applying the Dhamma in my day to day, in my everyday, that, um, you know, if I'm not really bringing in mindfulness, like really holding in mind, yeah. very, yeah. it, it, you get, lo- I got lost.
0: Yeah, you're talking about the very specific and pure nature of the Dhamma. It can't have a, it, the, the there can't dollar, be any, yeah. It can't have a tinge of personalization in it. Because that's where we get lost. That's where we become overwhelmed. Then it's me, 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 me. What's happening to me? What am I going to do? Instead of this is what's occurring. Yeah. I don't need to do anything yeah. except perform. Yeah. I mean, that's not right. in a performative, performative way. I just have to be present. And know that I am mm. I can I can rise up to the challenge of the moment. I don't mean that in an arrogant yeah. way. All human beings have the wherewithal to live. Mm-hmm. Period. Not live this way or that way. All human beings have the wherewithal to live. What else do we have to do but live? Mm -hmm. Right. So there there is no competition between myself and myself. (laughs) I just want to be present for this moment. And in, in that mindfulness of this moment, I am making the most of this moment. If there is an opportunity for something here, I'll probably do it. Whether it's whether it's financial or you know, finding another book to read or something. It's just I don't I bought it. I have bought a book recently. Um yeah. there's nothing out there in the world that's worth me losing my mind over, especially thinking that I should be different. Mm-hmm. Right? It's self-loathing. And as Ken was talking, but it's, like
8: it's not. I'm not even. I wasn't seeing that as. I was just not even seeing it as. I need to be different.
0: Yeah, but it's underlying it. Isn't yeah, it? it is. Yeah, 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 yeah very yeah. subtle. So subtle, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and that's Dharma practice.
8: Mm-hmm.
0: It's all done up here, you yeah. know, and mm-hmm. it does. It gets to very subtle levels of our of our thinking, mm-hmm. yeah. of our mindfulness, but it also clears it all up doesn't it yeah By just by doing it, we don't have to do anything we don't have to take any kind of drugs or medication or rituals or anything all we have to do is practice the dhamma
8: yeah and like when it's becomes more subtle like brian was talking about even like subtle mind states that like for um just You still feel calm and not, you know, not having, like, not having roller coaster worry, anxiety. It's just subtle, muddy, confused, diluted thinking that um, I'm just letting, just, like, continually being, just letting it be there and just not, not, like... I don't know, still engaging in it. Still right. engaging in it, not yeah. coming back to okay, let's just observe this mindfully. It, yeah.
0: You're staying present for your Dhamma practice. Well I yeah. <laughs> yeah.
8: I feel like sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not. And that's that's
0: the, But when you're not, right. you're recognizing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Still practicing the Dhamma. Yeah. yeah. Again, that's we are all getting moving towards a goal. We all want to get there. But we have to recognize what Jenna's talking about is learning to be very gentle with yourself while you're realizing the things that we have to abandon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah. That was a, that was a leak, Jen.
8: Something's happening. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Thanks everybody. <laughs> Thank
0: you, Jen. <laughs>
8: I mean, really, I, that was- it might be the pollen though. <laughs> so itchy. Oh,
0: yeah. It's just reminding you that there is dukkha every breath. <laughs> yes,
8: right.
7: It's, Hello, David. It's floating in the air. Yeah. If yeah. you really look back at each, Person's like sharing, it, it's showing like this refinement being developed.
0: Yeah. Like everyone,
7: Jeff. Yeah. Thinking it, he's so off the path, but he's on the path because he's recognizing it. Even mm-hmm. though it's yeah. that just that example was so like a, a gross version of what can happen. And then what Julie was saying it was the same thing, and what you're saying, and mm-hmm. your questions about justice—these are all like refinements of our understanding of how this all works. And <clears throat> it, as long as you're aware that it's happening and it's arising and passing, John keeps saying, "No, that's down practice. That's down mm-hmm. practice. What—it doesn't have to be this like." Like glowing light of enlightenment.
8: Right. Yeah. This is yeah.
7: each moment is sometimes muddy, mm. but you're practicing the Dhamma. So yeah. to me, it's not always clean. Oh,
8: well, but, absolutely not. But Down it's and
7: dirty Dhamma practice. But, <laughs> but, it, but it's always some level of understanding and air. refinement. And so to me, it's like as long as I'm like coming back to this like view that's, like, kept in line by the full path, then I, it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, yeah. it just... It's just
0: know, what's it, going on. It's
7: just what's going on, and yeah. there'll be next moment. Yeah. So,
0: thank you, Julian. <laughs> thank you, David. Really, just, what, a, what an excellent class. You know, yeah. really inspired by all of you. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I don't, I can't think of anything else to say. Can you Believe that? No. <laughs> so we'll finish with the Metasutta as we always do. This is the Buddha's description of someone who has abandoned all violence. Take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath, and let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. And these are the Buddha's words from the Metta Sutta. This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. They are always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none. The great or the mighty, medium, short or small. The seen and the unseen. Those living near and far away, those born and to be born. They are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease never wishing harm upon another even as a mother protects with her life her child her only child so with a boundless heart the wise disciple cherishes all living beings they radiate kindness over the entire world spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths outwards and unbounded freed from hatred and ill will whether standing or walking seated or lying down free from drowsiness they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, abandons ignorance of four noble truths. Thank you all for a wonderful class today. Thank
8: you. Thanks, Tom.
4: Peace, everyone. Bye, everybody. See you all soon. Bye. Thank you. Have a good one. Good to see you, Slav. Oh, yeah.
0: See you, Jeff and Deborah. Let me know how our friend is
4: doing.
5: I see you.
3: Hey, Jeff. you, Julia.
5: Wait, wait, wait. Oh, hey. oh, Julia yeah. has a question. I'm
3: oh, sorry. Hi, Jen. Hey, I really <laughs> can't believe what you shared.
0: I'm <laughs> seriously <laughs> like, <'Cause> I'm all- <laughs> um. Yeah it's really, really
3: it's really freeing to realize that we're when, when we when our dhamma practice i'm going to try to explain this as best as possible but our how our conditioned dhamma practice thoughts come in mm-hmm. and wanting us to be different um rather than just being like okay this is what's occurring and that's it I
8: haven't been doing that. That's what no. that's what John said to do. And I was like,
3: oh, man, I haven't been doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm, oh, my God. I just had to share that because this is yeah. really freeing, actually. <laughs> have to just keep letting go of stuff, even like Dhamma thoughts.
0: It's like, liberating, isn't it?
3: Yeah.
8: Oh, <laughs> my <laughs> God. Yeah.
0: Now you know what I mean. By I know that. I'm
8: having the same epiphany right now. So, <laughs> Yeah. I so thank it. you <laughs> yeah it's really great thanks yeah nice philodendron.
0: thanks julia bye
8: that's guys good, that's a good plant oh
0: thank I you will talk, talk to you soon <laughs> bye Bye-bye. thank you for listening i rely on donations to support the continued restoration preservation and presentation of the buddhist dhamma If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com Thank you. Peace.